So our preparation for Easter is inspired in this pathway called Lent. And this week, um, our message is inspired by a specific celebration within Lent called Shrove Tuesday. Shrove is past tense of, of shrive, a verb meaning to go to confession and get absolved of sin. And for over a thousand years, it's a day that marks the beginning of Lent. And it's originally observed by different confessions in groups like Catholics, Episcopalians, Lutherans, Methodists, as a day of confession, a day of repentance. And some of you here at Riverside Lisbon come from these backgrounds, so I'm not speaking anything new to you. But the same way that Shrove Tuesday is a day when people um, are intentional in getting rid of sin in their lives. And it becomes the day where people would get also get rid of specific foods, of specific items in their kitchen, so that they could dedicate themselves to fasting during this Lent season. And it's a, a very interesting point, because before any big celebration that we have at home, we need to do some in-depth cleaning. And Easter is a great opportunity to do that within ourselves, inside our hearts. And if you live at a home, you're going to have trash. And I can ask, who takes out the trash in your home? Uh, Gabby and I, we have an unspoken agreement that I take out the trash. Actually, the, the trash bin is actually outside of the house because it can stink a lot because of Jade's nappy. So we've made that commitment every time we need to put trash out, we have to go to the balcony because it is really not, it's not a clean business. But it needs to be done. Every house has trash. And the key is to take it out. We need to collect it and we need to take it out. So it's the same in our lives, in our actions, in our relationships, and particularly in our relationship with God. We are going to sin. And we sin against God. We sin against other people. And we actually even sin against ourselves. And trash is going to accumulate. And if you don't know how to take out the trash, it's going to stink up your heart. It's going to stink up your life and your relationships. So if in this season of Lent, God is inviting us to come closer to him, we will have to necessarily deal with the presence of sin in our own lives. And sure, Shrove Tuesday is not mentioned in the Bible. It's not commended by God as a specific celebration that we need to observe. But the Bible does encourage us to be diligent in our personal battle against sin. So today we're going to start by reading a prayer made by David in Daniel chapter 9. Daniel, this prophet, he made a very important prayer that I want us all to read today. So the Bible says in Daniel... Chapter 9, starting in verse 2. I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord, as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet, that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. O Lord, you are a great and awesome God. You always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of unveiling love to those who love you and obey your commands. But 
we have sinned and done wrong. We have rebelled against you and scorned your commands and regulations. We and our kings, princes, and ancestors are covered with shame because we have sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. Yet, we have refused to seek mercy from the Lord our God by turning from our sins and recognizing his truth. In view of all of your faithful mercies, Lord, hear your servant's prayer. Listen as I plead. Open your eyes and see our despair. See how your city, the city that bears your name, lies in ruins. We make this plea not because we deserve help, but because of your mercy. Oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, listen and act for your own sake. Do not delay, oh, my God, for your people and your city bear your name. And it's really important to look at prayers in the word of God as models of prayers for us today as we approach God. Jesus taught his disciples to pray with a model prayer that we also need to follow in this, to this day. Not necessarily repeat every single word verbatim, but understand the important principles on how to approach our Father in heaven. And in this prayer that Daniel prayed, before anything else, he starts by worshiping God because of his greatness. Because of his excellence, his faithfulness, his unfailing love. Such an important reminder to us that regardless of what is going on in our lives, whatever is going on in your life and my life, our prayer life needs to be centered in God's own majesty. Our lives need to be centered around God's majesty. And Jesus' model prayer begins by our Father in heaven, we honor your holy name. Another way of saying it is our Father in heaven, help us to honor your name. We, to, better, um, to better worship God and, and be part of this relationship, we need to understand that it's all about God's majesty. And the better we know the name of God, the more we will honor him. And the more we honor him, the more we will trust him. And the more we trust him, the less dependent we will be on our material comforts, on our own plans, on our own self-centered ways. We honor the name of God when we trust him, when we revere him, when we obey and glorify him. And when we fast, we're actually worshiping and praying without words. We are declaring that God's name is more important than any other name. And I believe that we are all still learning what it means to honor God's name. We're all still learning to declare not only with our words but with our lives what it means to recognize and put his name first in everything that we do. But like we saw by reading this prayer... Wholehearted prayer also deals with the presence of sin in our own lives. And Daniel recognizes the presence of sin in his life and in the lives of the people. And we go back to this very theological question and very important point of the Bible that actually is really part of our lives, our daily lives. Sin is a violation of God's character. God is loving. He's gracious. He is 
truthful, just, merciful, and kind. And sin is what's contrary to the character of God. Sin is contrary to the word of God. And if it all gets confusing and it's hard to understand and, 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 and grasp the, the depth of what sin is, we just have to think about Jesus. Because anything that's not like Jesus is sin. And the Bible says it rightly in 1 John chapter 1, verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, make, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So that's why the Bible says blatantly to all of us, we're all sinners. And sinners are going to have to continually deal with sin. And Easter and Lent is a reminder of that. Again, it's like living in a house. You are going to have trash. You've got to pack it up. And you need to take it out. And even in our, rela our relationships, they get messy because of sin. In any relationship particularly in that marriage relationship, it's two sinners. And one sinner plus another sinner does not equal zero sin. There is going to be sin. And if our arguments when we, we debate is, I'm not the sinner, you are the sinner, you've done wrong, I haven't done anything wrong, if we start by doing that, we're saying and declaring that God is a liar. We're declaring that his word is not in us because we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we all need to be humble. We all have stuff that we need to work on. We're all works in progress. We all need to be patient and considerate with each other and affectionate and tender even when we are frustrated because of sin. So we all need to learn how to pack Sin up and take it out. So at Riverside Lisbon, it's very important for us that we actually use the language of sin that the Bible describes. Because it's the language that the Bible uses. It's, it, sin is not just a mistake and a moral failure. Sin is something that deeply affects our lives. And affects, affects the people that we are in relationship with. And that includes God more than anyone else. Because when we sin, we actually sin against the Lord. And that's what David is recognizing. After committing adultery, he prayed this prayer that we find in Psalm 51, uh, verse 4. And he says, I have sinned against you, Lord God, especially you. So this man that committed adultery... A very big mistake, a moral failure, he actually declares above sinning against anyone else, Lord, I have sinned against you. And this is what distinguishes Christian relationships from all other relationships. Many therapists and psychologists, they consider the word sin inappropriate. And it should not be used by anyone. And their argument is, Because it denotes something really bad. Right? Because God had to send Jesus, his son, to die because of sin. So it's actually a big deal. And it's big because it also affects our lives. And some people will actually argue, we don't like to use that word. It's a forbidden word because it makes people feel bad. Sin, using the word sin, makes people feel ashamed well it could produce shame 
Or it can also produce conviction that leads to repentance, that leads to forgiveness and a changed life. So here's the big idea. If you've done wrong, feel bad, right? We, it's not correct to say you've done something wrong. Feel good about it. No. Then we have some serious issues if we don't feel bad for doing bad things. Sometimes we feel bad because we've done bad. And that's what it is. But feeling bad is not condemnation. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, There is no condemnation now for those who live in union with Christ Jesus. So it means that this is conviction. This means it's the Holy Spirit showing us where we're sinning, not to destroy us, but to motivate us to destroy the sin before it actually destroys the relationship. So we need to take action against sin, not take action against the feelings of conviction. And so Daniel, he understood that their present situation as a people is a result of breaking God's commands. It was destroying their relationship with God, and even their own lives, they suffered the consequences. And the first stepping stone to this road of recovery, of taking out the trash, is recognizing sin. It's calling sin as sin. We cannot expect to live out a healthy relationship with God, or actually any other relationship in our lives, if we don't we don't have a full acknowledgement of our own wrongdoings. So number one, we have to recognize sin. That's conviction. Number two, we need to repent of sin. And repentance is essentially what it means to be a Christian. The message of the gospel, it, it begins and we say the story of Jesus and we explain the cross and we explain the love of God. We explain that we were created for something much greater than anything that we can experience right now on earth. But the first thing that we need to do when we listen to this message, message is repent. The Protestant Reformation was kicked off with basically a manifesto called the 95 Thesis. It was penned by, by the priest Martin Luther, and it was nailed to, to this um, door in, in a place called Wittenberg. And this manifesto began with this statement. Let's read together. When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, he willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. We repent of sin to become a Christian. We repent of sin in order to grow as Christians. The prophets kept saying time and time again, repent, repent, repent. Such an important word in the word of God. Now, but we need to understand what repentance is, but what also what repentance isn't. Repentance isn't getting caught and then trying to become clean. And many times Christians live under this anxiety of, of being exposed and the enemy is a liar, and he traps people to the thought that they better continue hiding sin, otherwise it's going to be even worse. So we cannot allow that to happen. Repentance is not getting caught. Repentance isn't also blaming others for our sins. 
denying our sin, excusing our sin, diminishing our sins. It's saying, oh, it's their fault. It's my parents' fault. It's my colleagues' fault. They made me mad. They made me do this. Or I was born this way. Hashtag Lady Gaga. It's genetics. Or I had a hard day. You have to put up with me. No. Instead, repentance is declaring, I'm guilty. It's my fault. I am sorry. It's being honest about it. And repentance is about three things. These three words that I want to share with you this morning. It's about confession, contrition, and change. And we'll start with confession. Confession includes our minds and our mouths. When we become a Christian, we're being renewed by the Holy Spirit. That's what the Word of God is saying. And you're studying the Word of God, and the way that you think starts to change as well. That's why the Bible says in Romans 12, verse 2, such an important verse of the Bible. It says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So it means that once we get closer to God, once we get closer to, to what the Spirit is telling and doing in our lives, we start thinking differently. And that's actually the, the motto of Apoly back, back in the day. They said... Think differently. We need to think different. So it begins with confession, a confession that says, now that my mind thinks differently about my behavior, I understand why I've sinned. I understand that what I did is actually sin. Some of us used to do things that before we used to brag to friends, we, we, we used to share that we've done this, we've done that. We boasted about sin, and now when we think about those things, we're ashamed. And Jesus said in, in John's gospel that he sent the Holy Spirit exactly. And part of his ministry is to convict us of sin. And if the Holy Spirit is convicting us of sin, we might as well confess it. And I know that we tend to associate the act of confession with feelings of discomfort, shame, and dignity. But the Word of God does its very best to fight against those feelings, to fight against those lies, because actually confessing helps us focus on its power in bringing forgiveness, of bringing acceptance, restoration, and dignity in the presence of God. James 5.16 tells us, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. We need to learn how to take the trash out of our hearts. And whenever you are struggling in a relationship, whenever you're having a hard time trusting someone, forgiving someone, loving someone, we have to talk about it. And conf confession is talking about sin. It's talking about your sin with God. It's about talking about your sin with someone else that can help you. And praying for one another. Because this is what Christians do. <laughs> this is a life of a Christian. We need to get God involved. And it seems counterproductive because God is so holy. God is so good. He is all those things that we sang about, that we read about. And God wants us to bring to himself our sins. It's terrible. But it's actually such an invitation because God wants us to confess our sins. 
The Bible says that a cord of three strands is not easily broken, which means it's you, it's that other person, and it's God. And when you confront your sin with a three-stranded cord, this is what's going to happen. You're going to be healed. You're going to receive victory. Nothing can come between you and your relationship with Jesus. Because if you allow sin to continue to coexist in your heart, it's going to destroy your relationships. It's damaging. But if Jesus comes between you and your sin, he's going to reconcile your relationship. He is going to heal your heart. So if you're struggling with sin today, if you're struggling in a relationship today, the answer is still Jesus. The problem is sin. It will always be sin. But the answer will always be Jesus. And confessing means talking about it with Jesus. And the person you're having difficulties with, you need to confess your sin. They need to confess their sins. We need to pray for one another. And Jesus will show up and heal your relationship. So repentance proceeds from confession and to contrition. And contrition is your mind and your mouth, it includes, it goes beyond uh, mind and mouth. That's confession. Contrition includes all of your emotions and all of your expressions. Someone who is really contrite, they not only know theoretically that they've done wrong, but they feel it emotionally. They, they know in, deep down in their feelings that they've done wrong. And this is how Daniel actually voiced it in, in the verses that we've read. He said, Oh God, hear your servant's prayer. Listen as I plead. Open your eyes and see our despair. Daniel is talking about his emotions. And I believe that during your lifetime, someone has already apologized to you. And when someone apologizes and asks for forgiveness, you have a feeling in your heart, or at least the idea comes up in your mind to understand if they're being sincere, right? Because it's not just about words. I grew up with an older brother, and I mean, we, <laughs> we sin against each other. We sin against each other quite a lot. But when, when our parents come in between us and you need to apologize, I mean, you know that you just need to say it. You don't need to feel it. But that's actually not contrition. Repentance means contrition. When someone comes to you and apologizes, asks for forgiveness, and you feel that contrition, you don't need to shame them. You don't need to put them down with your words. They're already there. Because that's contrition. All you need to do is love them, is to forgive and Paul describes contrition in these two beautiful words, godly sorrow. 2 Corinthians 7, 10, which we cannot mistake for worldly sorrow. He says, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Because non-Christians, they can feel bad, but they don't have to repent. You can cry, you can say you're sorry, that you can say that I'm never going to do it again. But the truth is, deep down, there's not going to be a change in nature. 
Until the next time they desire to do something, they will do it again. But when we confess our sins, when we feel contrite in our spirits, it is our desire to surrender that sin to Jesus and to receive his righteousness and to become a new creation in Jesus. A non-Christian can feel bad. A non-Christian can also try to stop sin outwardly, but only a Christian can receive righteousness inwardly. And on Friday, Gabby and I, we were speaking with Jade's kindergarten teacher. Um, I think it was actually the first time that we, we spoke about the teacher, about Jade's development. And it, it feels very surreal to, to give life to a child and all of a sudden they, they have their own lives and they have their own relationships. I've learned that she has this really cool relationship with another girl in class. They play together. I have no idea who this girl is. I need to know who my child has a relationship with. But let me open brackets and say how Jade surprises us. She's incredible, super wonderful, and she's very kind and smart and, and makes any parent very, very proud. But we were talking about different areas of development, and we came into in, this topic that can Jade already, she's 19 months old, can she already understand the difference between right and wrong? Can we try to explain to her that she has done something that she shouldn't do and shouldn't repeat? And, and right now, we, we try to show Jade that we are this pleased. We say, Jade, no, say sorry. And Jade goes, and sorry, and, and he makes us, oh, that's so beautiful, that's amazing. But still, I find it really hard to believe that she can fully understand what happened. <laughs> She's, and at the end of the day, she's still very young to fully understand her actions. But later, as she continues to grow up, any time that she sins, we'll have to teach her. We have, we'll have to call her to us and be one-on-one -on -one and explain, Jade, you did this, and you did this, and this is wrong. And you need to go and go to the other person and look them in the eye and you need to say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Because you do that with children so that they can understand that they need to feel bad because of their wrongdoings. And they need to understand how their actions have affected other people. Contrition is something that we develop with children so that they can become better citizens and, and just good people. You don't want to hang out and be friends with people who don't feel bad when they do bad things to you. And, of course, there's going to be the awkward silence, and someone else will say, okay, I forgive you, and, okay, let's hug it out. It's all fine. But when we do that with God, contrition is not just our understanding, God, I failed your commandments. I failed to obey you. Contrition means that I understand that I have offended my Father's heart with my actions. It means that I, I've damaged this relationship, this precious relationship that I have with my Father in heaven. So yes, I'm going to feel bad when I sin. We should feel bad when we sin. But just because we feel bad, it doesn't mean it's condemnation. Because we know that contrition is also part of a healthy relationship with God and with each other.
And finally, there is conviction, there is contrition, and there is change. And change, that's your will. It's, it's, what, it's your works. It's when you declare by the power of the Holy Spirit, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to think like that anymore. I reject this position that I'm taking. I want to do something else. I want to be more like Jesus. And I'm not going to allow this action, this thought, this feeling to come between myself and my Lord and Savior. It's understanding and declaring that Jesus died on the cross because of this. And that's why that sin no longer has power over my life. So sin is defeated. This sin is over. Repentance means change. It means I'm not going to dwell. I'm not going to accept sin in my life. I actually want it out. Paul said it better. I need to put my own selfish desires and my own sinful nature to death. It needs to be over. And we believe in the word of God and we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe that ultimately by the grace of God in his presence in our hearts, we can change. My brother, my sister, in Jesus Christ, we can change by the power of the Holy Spirit that is at work in your heart and in my heart. We don't need to feel defeated because of the presence of sin. Now some people, it's going to be sudden. I remember my, my dad telling his testimony year, many years ago when he accepted Jesus. But when he embraced the truth of salvation, he once and for all, he gave up on smoking and drinking. All of a sudden, a different person. And he understands it was because of the power of the Holy Spirit. He couldn't do it on his own. He was an addict to those things. But the moment that Jesus came inside his heart and life, he gave up on those things. He was able to not to do, it, do them ever, ever again in his life. But I mean, it's not the same for everyone. I listen more testimonies of people that once they embraced faith, they still struggle with sin. They struggle with the presence of sin in their hearts and lives. So for some people, it's going to be very sudden. For other people, it's going to be a process. And there's nothing to be ashamed of. We will do many mistakes along the way. We will fail many times along the way. But that's why Martin Luther said, and he said it brilliantly, the life of a Christian is a life of repentance. We need to repent and come clean. We need to seek the help that we need. Seek the help that we need from the Holy Spirit. Seek the help that we need from other Christians. We need to seek the help that we need from prayer. And that friend can be a spouse. It can be a pastor. It can be a good friend. Ask for prayer. Confess. Admit that you're struggling with it. And by the grace of God, you will be able to change. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21, and the worship team can already come forward. The Bible says, You have certainly heard Jesus' message and have been taught his ways. The truth is in Jesus. I love this. <laughs> Just this sentence, the truth is in Jesus. You were taught to change the way you were living. 
Get rid of lies. Get rid of your bitterness. Take out the trash. The trash of bitterness, hot tempers, anger, loud quarreling, cursing, and hatred. But instead, be kind to each other. Sympathetic, forgiving each, each other as God has forgiven you through, through Christ. Imitate God since you are the children He loves. So for those of you who are hearing this, we need to do something about it. Are you a Christian? Have you repented of your sins and have you received the righteousness that comes from the cross? If not, that's exactly what you need to do this morning. You need to become first in order to defeat sin, in order to put sin to death, in order to put away this thing that is destroying your relationship and is destroying you from within. You need to come to Jesus who died because of your sins. If you are watching me, you can pray with me. Just close your eyes and, and declare with me in your heart, wherever you are, say, Jesus, I come to you as I am. And thank you for loving me. And please forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from within. Give me a new heart. Give me victory over sin. Make me a new person. Come live in me by your spirit. Come inside my life. Make me yours. Now, my friends, if you've made this prayer for the first time, this church is a community that we want to help you walk out the truth. We want to help you understand what does it mean to live as a Christian? What does it mean to live in freedom in Christ? So, Say something, write to us, email, go to our website, seek us because we want to be your friends in this battle against sin because the victory is yours through Jesus. And on the same psalm of confession that David prayed and, and we read today, Psalm 51, verse 7 says, Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, man, and I know that it seems impossible. It seems impossible right now in your life to not only be clean, but feeling clean. Because you've been, you've been living, feeling like you're dirty inside for so long that you have no idea how is this even possible. But you see, when we come to Jesus, when we come to God and we respond to His love with repentance, God imputes His purity in us. God brings about His righteousness in us. He will be in us in this process of confession, contrition, and change. It's not because of us, it's because of who He is. It's for His sake and for His glory. And let me tell you this morning, there is no sin in your past, your present, or your future that Jesus cannot deal with. Jesus knows how to deal with sin. 
And he done, done it in the cross beautifully and once forevermore. And my friends, this not only includes the sins that you've committed, but also the sins that others have committed against you. And I know that throughout of this, I've spoken the word forgiveness. Yes. We need to forgive others as Christ has forgiven us as well. I know that this is deeply personal. We've already unfolded why confession and, and forgiveness is God's plan for our lives, but sometimes it's really hard to understand how it applies to your life specifically. To your life, someone that has been abused in the past, someone that has suffered rejection, someone that has been put down so many times by so many different people, people that are right now not even part of your life. You don't even know where they are at. But if this is you, I just want to ask you, do not close your heart this morning. But take steps in order to bring not only repentance, but also healing. Because God is a God of healing. Maybe you need, just need to start journaling about it, praying about it, talking about it, write it out, talk, think about it, work it out, cry it out, but do something about it. Because sin is destructive. But the cross can redeem everything. Jesus can change everything in your life today. Sin no longer needs to be a destroyer. He needs to move out. And may this Lent season be a season where we declare with all our hearts, sin needs to be put out so that I can live freely with my Lord and Savior. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you so much for having dealt with sin in our place. Thank you for dying for our sins. Thank you for dying for all the dangerous parts and bits of its actions in our own lives. And Lord, this morning we want to surrender sin. We want to surrender all sins that we've committed and all sins that were committed against us. Lord, we declare that you are enough. You are the answer for our lives, Lord. And Lord, we want to say that today we want to put the trash out. We want to put out the garbage of our lives. Anything that might want to come between you and us, Lord, we want to be open. We want to be transparent. We want to confess. We want to feel contrition and we want to change. We want to fully repent of our sins. And Lord, we want to rejoice today in the victory the victory of your blood that was shed on the cross. We want to repent of the victory of repentance, Lord. And may our lives continue to be a lives of repentance. Lord, and, and you know how every heart is so different. <laughs> Even this message, Lord, as, as I am preaching, I know that our stories can be so different. And our own understanding of sin can be so different very different 
But Lord, I pray that you will continue to shape and mold our minds according to your word, that we will be able to declare sin what is sin in our lives, and that we will also seek forgiveness and repentance so that you can move freely in us, so that sin is not hindering your actions and your plans in our lives any longer. Thank you for the victory of Jesus. Thank you for the victory of Christ. Help us to be more like you. Help us to honor your name every single day of our lives and make our lives about your majesty and not about ourselves. Thank you for who you are, Jesus. We honor you and we worship you this morning. In Jesus' name.